good morning this brisk Saturday. <clears throat> Welcome to the Inclusive Voice. I'm your host, Pam McElvain. And you know, we haven't done a year in review in terms of what's been going on with us here at Diversity MBA Media and our own perspective and insights. But as I shared with you before, I wanted to start off with diversity news after hearing the major media news that you just heard from WCPT, 8.20 a.m. Um, so, you know, just we just celebrated, you know, December 15th, Martin Luther King's birthday, which is yet another milestone. Everybody's not there yet. Some places are still open, but at least the schools, government and banking institutions are closed in, in recognition. But as we were thinking about um, you know, what we wanted to talk about as it related, you know, to civil rights. You know, the New York Times published an article um, entitled Behind the Scenes of Dismantling Roe. And this article, you know, provided a timeline of events and documents that many factors, you know, of the many factors that led to the undoing of so many citizens' right in, you know, which embodied, you know, what they felt like and what America is really about. But most notable about the article were the highlights around the female justices who initially had no intention you know, intentions of hearing these cases, but their voices were drowned out, as often, you know, women's voices are sometimes in, in male-dominated areas. But my point is, you know, the Supreme Court's minimization of women and their voices really impacts, you know, at the highest level, our civil rights. And when we think about, and, and what not just think about, but what we know about, what Martin Luther King stood for. He was definitely did not have gender and identity differences when he was talking about rights for all. And of course, the larger population he was speaking to during that time was the black population. But we know civil rights have benefited everyone, every gender, every ethnicity. And so when we now start to have our courts really, you know, make decisions that are directly impacting and charging our rights. It makes you, you know, ooh, gives you the chill. And so when we think about, so I wanted to talk about, you know, what, you know, the, one of the big pieces around diversity news, and it's going to be in news because the impact of the decision of the Supreme Court as it relates to women's rights not just Roe versus Wade, but also as it relates to the other injustices that it has minimized, really speaks to how our voices are being ignored in the in this country, and how it harms you know our ability to move forward and truly think about you know what we want to do next here. So I think about you know our liberties that are not equally respected. And this is also true in the workplace, but more importantly, it's something that we have to remember. So in our diversity news, I wanted to really talk about, um, you know, what was happening and most impactful in the diversity space as the Supreme Court decisions. And of course, we know they just weren't talking about women's rights, but they also were talking about, um, you know, the rights of students for universities to take away their ability 
to leverage diversity as a way to have more access for students. So our Supreme Court really has, um, I will say, given us a pause. And it's supposed to be the unbiased part of the justice system. Um, it's supposed to review the constitutional rights of everyone and bring forward what we have. But it has definitely given us pause in terms of what we want to do. So, so today, um, in talking about our year in review for Diversity MBA Media, I wanted to bring forward our executive editor and our senior vice president and our publishing arm to have this conversation with me and to share his, his insights on what's going on. So we're gonna to go to commercial break and I'll be right back with you with Dan Hawley, um, who is an incredible thought leader in the journalism space. So stay tuned with me and I'll be back right, right back with you. Breakthroughs aren't just for medical journals. They're to help people hold their grandbabies for the first time. Expertise isn't just for awards or recognition. It can be what gives people the best chance to walk again. At the Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network, people are the driving force behind everything we do. So we never lose sight of what's important and we never forget who it's for. Because in the end, we're people helping people. That means every breakthrough, every clinical study, every interaction is to help people like you, your family, and your neighbors be the best they can be. We do everything possible because we see everything possible in you. To find out how compassion motivates world-class care, Visit Freighter.com. Welcome back. I'm your host, Pam McElvain, and I have here with me Dan Hawley, of one of the greatest thought leaders, consultant, entrepreneur, educator in the space, uh, sharing this conversation with us in terms of what's happening in the current state, in the marketplace as well, as what he sees of coming forward in the future. Hey, Dan, Hi. good morning and welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Oh, that sounds so good. All that great energy in your voice. Thank you for being here. Where are you calling from, Dan? I'm calling from Dorm, North Carolina, where it is 26 degrees. We're not used to this kind of weather down here, Pam. Oh, man. Join us in California. You know what? That would be a heat. I mean, in Chicago, Illinois, that would be a heat wave, Dan. I, I went to California. Oh. Uh, that would be a heat wave here. <laughs> but, you well, know. That's why um, I don't live in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. You know, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Um, I know you probably heard me speak a little bit um, about you know, the Supreme Court and, you know, and the decisions, how it ended affirmative action and and the impact on colleges and universities where race is no longer a factor. Right. You know, what was right. some of your reactions as an educator to hearing, you know, just, the, you know, these global decisions that the Supreme Court was making and not, I don't know, if, yeah, I guess they did know that they were going to impact every, you know, every person of color and, and, and all women. But what are, you, what are you thinking about that? 
Well, you know, uh, remember that after that Supreme Court decision on affirmative action, uh, President Biden said in his understated way, this is not a normal court. And I think that is what a lot of Americans are thinking. You know, uh, we had Trump appoint three justices of the Supreme Court while he was in office, and he really tilted that court far to the right. And um, they have made uh, a lot of decisions that have shocked a lot of Americans. Uh, you, you talked about the Dobbs decision um, and the affirmative from 1922, I believe that was, and then the uh, affirmative action uh, decision uh, last June. Um, the court is issuing decisions that uh, sort of take us back. Um, and um, I don't know where it's going with this, but. Um, you know, they are losing credibility and losing legitimacy. And I, and I really hope that uh, new appointments can sort of uh, right the boat and uh, get it uh, sailing again toward uh, a destination that most Americans can agree with. And, and you know, and when would that happen? <laughs> when will we be able to write that? Yeah. Since, since they're there yeah, for a years. long time. You know, as a, um, and I know you're not in the admissions department, but um, have you, you know, in just in, in your area, in your state uh, or region, heard from some of your colleagues the impact on the, you know, academic on the university system with the inability, not HBCUs, not HSIs, not Hispanically, you know, focused schools or historically black schools, but the impact that it would have on other institutions, particularly the private and um, the larger institutions that have to set aside, uh, not right. set aside, but have to make other considerations for diverse talent. Have you heard that it, it's been a negative impact or have they adjusted uh, quickly to make up for the decision? They're in the process of adjusting. Uh, I don't think it happens quite that fast, um, but I do know that there are higher education institutions all over this country rethinking their approach to how race does affect admission. And, uh, you know, um, it's fine to re-examine these policies from time to time to make sure that they're serving all of us well. Uh, but um, there is hope that we can continue to have policies that create diverse institutions uh, because um, that is the way up for so many people in this country. And uh, to have policies that might turn back the clock to a time when higher education um, was out of the reach of many minorities is just unacceptable. And I, what I've heard is uh, a lot of thought about how universities can creatively push back on this, this policy uh, so that they can continue to have diverse campuses and yet be in compliance with the Supreme Court ruling. But I think all that's going to take um, time. So thank you for sharing um, your perspective. Now, I just want to pause here. <laughs> you know, typically I don't like to read the CDs of people, but I do want to share a little bit about your background. And I know there's some 
color that you can add to it. But I want to share a little bit about your background for our, for our listening audience okay. so they know why you are an authority on answering some of these questions that I'm asking. <laughs> so here we go. Um, first, you know, for all of you, you know, Dan Hawley, who is a graduate of Harvard Journal School, um, among others, he is currently, as I mentioned to you, an educator, consultant, and entrepreneur. But he spent more than 25 years as a journalist, including the State House reporter for the Miami Herald, City Hall reporter at the Detroit Free Press, and education editor and columnist at the Raleigh Durham, I mean Raleigh, North Carolina News and Observer in Raleigh. So, but during a break, he took a break in his career from journalism and he served as press secretary. And this is where mm, all this good insight comes from for Rep. John P. Kennedy uh, II as Maryland field coordinator for the reelection campaign of President Bill Clinton. So after leaving journalism, you can see that Dan, you know, he shifted his focus and currently expanded as he went into public relations where he was an executive officer and he still is um, in media relations for various consulting firms that he's worked with and me large media firms. But currently he's the instructor at St. Augustine's University and North Carolina State University, as well as a partner in Rising Innovator, a website dedicated to fostering entrepreneurship among youth. And he's authored two books, Sometimes You Get the Bear, and Come On People, A Plea for Modernization and a Plan for Christians to Lead the Way. So it's really important, I think, for you all to understand who we're talking to. Dan, um, he's also currently the executive editor for Diversity MBA um, magazine in our publications, as well as um, one of our officers in our publishing arm, senior vice president. But he, again, attended Harvard University from where he graduated cum laude in Columbia Graduate School of Journalism, um, where he also was able to focus on the newsletter. I think what's important for you all to know in our listening audience is we are talking to a well-rounded journalist who is on both sides, the editorial management side, has been in the field and the front lines and has an incredible insight on what's going on today. So I, I know, Dan, you're probably like, wow, I'm listening to myself, <laughs> hearing about myself. But, <laughs> you know, what a what a great um, uh, CV that you have and, and the insights to kind of to holistically bring it all in together. But just to ask you a little bit before, you know, we jump into these tough issues, you know, what inspired you, you know, as a young man to, to go into journalism? Clearly you're a great writer. I will have to say that myself. But what inspired you um, to, to want to go into this field? First of all, I just have to say, oh, shucks, at that introduction, Pam, I'm humble. <laughs> um, but uh, actually, I can actually pinpoint the moment when I decided to become a journalist. Um, I always loved writing, but I saw that as something sort of on the side. Um, I was headed toward a career in law even though a part of me felt that, oh, that just is not the most interesting thing I could do with my life. But, um, you know, everyone's got to make a living and that seemed like a good way to make a living. And so that's where I was headed. But my first job out of college, I was actually uh, an aide to uh, the late, great 
uh, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, U.S. Senator from New York. Um, it was a low-level job. It was right out of college. But, uh, yeah, I worked for uh, Pat Moynihan, and I was only one – I was the only black person on his uh, legislative staff. I think they had one other in the mailroom. But I was the only black person who worked on substantive issues. And, um, and like I said, it was, it was a low level, but still, um, <laughs> I was just old brother. And the uh, one newspaper, I don't even remember the name of it, but it was uh, upstate New York somewhere, got a hold of that uh, fact. And they were doing a story on how Senator Moynihan uh, doesn't have any black people on his staff. And they called the news, they called the senator and he said, yeah, sure, we have a black person on the staff. And um, I never forget being down there. My office was in a basement with all the other low-level employees and getting this phone call transferred to me. We want you to talk to a reporter. Um, They wanted to talk to that black reporter. It's proof that he actually had, I'm sorry, black staff person. That's proof that that I actually existed. (laughs) And... uh, (laughs) I'm talking to them, and there are people waving in the background saying, oh, no, don't say that. Don't, you know, they, they thought I was being too honest and upfront. And after that phone call, I said, you know what? Journalists, I'm kind of jealous of them. They can just say what they want. They can just go after the truth, no matter who it offends. And I said, you know what? I think I want to be on that side of the fence. And that's what happened. That's good. You know, that's good. That's good. And, I mean, it's such a, such a great story. And um, I, I, I don't consider myself a journalist, broadcast journalist, or any of it, even though I've been in publishing and learning as I go. I'm indeed a business person, mm-hmm. but having some fun in this journalism space, I am telling you, the power of the voice, the power of words and language, right? It is really no joke. <laughs> so thank you for sharing it is, that. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact that you're authored two books, too, that's that's also great um, that you have found time, you know, to do that. Um, and so before we go on, we're going to take a quick commercial break and then we're going to come right back. And I want to talk a little bit about your your recent book and then we'll dive back into this year in review. We believe healthcare should treat the whole person and the whole community. At UPMC, we aim to do just that by partnering with organizations that help bring fresh and healthy food to the people who need it most. Because life-changing is caring for you before you ever walk in our doors. Learn more at upmc.com slash community impact. UPMC, life-changing medicine. Everyone's talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Let Diversity MBA Media bring you up to speed on the discussion. With benchmarking services that help enterprises gauge and expand the diversity of their workforces, to fresh, insightful, deep dive articles on the Diversity MBA website, CEO Pam Micklevane leverages years of experience and some of the foremost thought leaders on diversity, equity, and inclusion to spread the DEI message and curate content that educates and enlightens. 
In addition, Diversity MBA Media hosts annual conferences that bring together speakers from all across the DEI spectrum with thousands of virtual attendees learning industry best practices from a wide range of perspectives. Check out Diversity MBA Media, join the diversity, equity, and inclusion movement, and be a part of the discussion. www.diversitymbamagazine.com. Welcome back. I'm Pam McElvain, your host on the Inclusive Voice here with me, Dan Hawley, in the, talking about the 2023 year in review. And before we really get into some of that more deeply, I wanted to just, you know, part of the year in review is really Dan has published his second book. And I really had an opportunity to read some of those excerpts, but I want to really read the whole book, Dan, because I, I really enjoy um, our conversations um, about it. So the second mm-hmm. book, um, the first one, sometimes you get you get the bear and then the come on people, a plea for modern moderation and a plan for Christians to lead the way. I really like mm-hmm. the title. And um, so tell us a little bit about, you know, what the book is about and what you were thinking in writing it. The book is uh as the subtitle suggests, a plea for people to stop being so crazy and divisive and to uh, just get some common sense back and start acting like uh, citizens in a democracy. Uh, we're, we're so divided um, by anything and everything. And um, it was my thought, being a Christian, and being part of a wonderful church and seeing how in our church, black people get along with white people, rich people get along with poor people. I mean, we really are uh, brothers and sisters, um, and we're united despite our differences. But I began to see uh, differences uh, creep even into the church. And um, so that's when I decided to uh, write this book. And it is my hope that you don't have to be a Christian to lead us out of this partisan wilderness, but uh, I just thought that biblical principles were something that we could unite around. And so I wrote this book saying, okay, what can we all agree on? And I talked about some uh, controversial topics like abortion, homosexuality, taxes, and said, uh, pulled up Bible verses that I I think are pretty clear and said, okay, look, if we can all at least agree on this, then here's how we should approach some of these uh, issues. And it's not a a book that advises that you have to be a Democrat or you have to be a Republican or you have to be conservative or liberal. The book, the the thesis of the book is that um, if we unite around biblical principles or any principles of fairness, really, but you know, for me, the Bible was a, a good place to start. Um, at least we can agree dis- disagreeably on some of the things that we can't agree on, and uh, we can have a uh, more united society. We can move forward rather than just tearing each other apart. You know, I think it's you know your book is is really timely and not to, you know, be political, although this is Chicago's progressive talk, <laughs> is, yeah, is, okay. being, is is talking about, you know, kind of what is going on in, in our, um, in, you know, in our democratic 
uh, society right now where, you know, we're being influenced, you know, by values, so people say, but not so much, right, based on behavior, based on how people are, at, and I'm not going to go into naming who because everybody kind of knows, but this is a really good time, I think, to, to kind of, you know, bring your book forward and and talk about it and maybe even for you and definitely for us to help you know kind of push it out there again because this is what we need um we need it globally and, and we need it and domestically and you know and like you said people don't have to get caught up in any religions notion of it but you know right. maybe just the respectful treatment and the equal treatment of you know human equality so I, yeah, I, I, you just kind of triggered something there with me with that. So thank you for your good work. And if people wanted to, I know they definitely can go to Amazon um, and get this book. Is there anywhere else they could go if they wanted to um, know more about the work you do, well, you their can, website you can send them to? Uh, you could go to the website for August Press, August like the month, um, and... Uh, well, it might be augustpress.net, but um, you can just Google that, um, August Press, and they might even offer you a discount <laughs> uh, that you might not get on Amazon. Oh, that, that, see, that's, that's good right there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah so, save some money. Absolutely. So thank you again, um, for uh, for sharing. So one of the things I wanted to um, uh, it is oh, let me just say this. It is August Press A U G U S T P R E S S dot net. There is no space in between. Uh, well, and uh, see that that's I should know this, but I, I, it, AugustPress dot com was taken when they started their website. So there's, there's some little tricks okay. in there. Like an nope. underscore okay. or a space or something. So I would advise you just Google all this first. Yeah, that's what I just did, Dan. <laughs> okay. okay. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Okay. So, um, so you know, one of the things is getting back to kind of some of the diversity news and, and current events. One of the things we saw in the entertainment industry was, you know, some epic highs and lows for this year. You know, but one of the things for the first time in history, four Asian performers were nominated for the Oscars. And kind of at the same time, right. you know, with Michelle Yeo and Kiyu Kwan securing the award, I mean, that was landmark for Asians in the entertainment industry. And you would think that, right. wow, we still have to have landmarks, you know, for people of color. Yeah, we do. And exactly, particularly yeah. for Asians <laughs> with all that's been going on. Um, what are your thoughts around that? I think that's uh, beautiful. Uh, and it's not only an entertainment. It seems to me like um, 2023 was in some way sort of the year of the angel, wasn't it? Yes. I mean, uh, we just see them uh, in prominent uh, positions in a, a number of uh, areas, but I, I, I think it's great. And, um, you know, they also had, uh, what, the first uh, trans nominee. Um, I mean, you know, the more we can uh, expand and include uh, people of uh, 
all walks of life, all persuasions, uh, the uh, better off we'll be as a society. I mean, um, you, you don't have to agree with uh, anybody on anything political or religious or otherwise, but we should all at least feel included uh, in society. And I think it's great for the groups that have not been, who have been underrepresented in uh, those award ceremonies to be included. Yeah, and I agree with you. And and what are your thoughts around the Writers Guild, you know, with the strike and going on as a writer yourself? Um, you know, I thought, I mean, that's real, kind of what's happening, you know, in terms of technology, but just knowing that, you know, the struggle, you know, everybody's not an A-list actor. So more often than not, you know, people are fighting for the same roles and, um, and then, you know, having their own rights manipulated, you know, as a writer, not necessarily, you know, film writer, but just general writer, you know, what are, what are your thoughts with, with what's happened in Hollywood around that? Well, you know, uh, one of the big issues in that said Astra strike was um, artificial intelligence. And so... Yeah, that's the biggest there issue. Are, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, uh, entertainment and writing and production, I mean, that is being uh, affected by technology in some profound ways. And, um, you know, I think that we're probably transitioning to uh, a different kind of industry, uh, just like we transitioned from um, uh, a paper age to a digital age. I mean, there's always going to be technological advancements that change the way we do things. But um, do you do it fairly or do you just throw people out on the street and say, you know, we no longer have use for you? And I think what that SAG Astro strike did is it uh, came down on the side of uh, making this transition fairly and in a way that uh, doesn't just uh, throw people out. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe I'm old fashioned, but I think that the human touch will always be needed in writing. I don't want to read a, a book by a dang computer. <laughs> well, uh, then you are a little old school because uh, a lot okay. of your generation, they are reading the books by the computer, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, okay. that's, a, that's a conversation for another day. But, you know, thank you for All your right. insights on that. And you're absolutely right. You know, AI's influence. I just talked about that last week uh, with, with Attorney Evans in terms of, you know, just legally they're trying to decide what are some of the, you know, IP intellectual property impacts around AI, but you know, so it's it's coming, and so we better you know find right. our seat on this train. In fact, I prefer first class. So let's get to know and understand <laughs> right what's going on. There um, you so go. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to take another quick commercial break, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what we thought were a quick year in review for diversity NBA media uh, before we wrap up. So we'll be right back with you. Breakthroughs aren't just for medical journals. They're to help people hold their grandbabies for the first time. Expertise isn't just for awards or recognition. It can be what gives people the best chance to walk again. At the Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network, people are the driving force behind everything we do. 
So we never lose sight of what's important. And we never forget who it's for. Because in the end, we're people helping people. That means every breakthrough, every clinical study, every interaction is to help people like you, your family, and your neighbors be the best they can be. We do everything possible because we see everything possible in you. To find out how compassion motivates world-class care, visit freighter.com. Welcome back. I'm, this is Pam McElvain, your host of The Inclusive Voice, here with me, Dan Hawley, extraordinaire journalist and um, media executive. So, Dan, before we get into, you know, the year in review for diversity in being media, I just want to ask you, as you think about and reflect on all of the, you know, the big major things that were going on in 23, what's what's top of your mind? What What kind of still sticking out there for you? Well, I'll tell you, one unresolved issue from 2023 is the situation in the Middle East. Um, It's a situation that really has no good solution. I mean, how do you even think about it? I mean, what Hamas, their uh, invasion on October 7th was horrible. It was uh, crazy. Um, It was evil. You cannot defend it. But at what point... uh, do you stop the retribution? Um, uh, you, you can't kill every single member of Hamas without, uh, even if that were uh, a legitimate goal, and I don't think that is. You kill how many civilians do you have to kill to to accomplish that goal? And you know the uh, unpredictable and just unthinkable nature of this environment um, of this issue. Uh, is reflected in the divisiveness that it has caused in here in the U.S. I mean, for the first time in my lifetime, uh, Jews and minorities are sort of on uh, in, in two separate camps, and um, I, I don't think they should be. And, and not everyone is, uh, not every Jew is in one camp, but not every minority is in, in another camp. Um, but we've, we've got to come together. We've got to come together somehow on a reasonable position that spares both sides from having to deal with atrocities. You know what? Thank you for sharing that. And I, I'm going to dare. I don't want to go political, but I think I'm getting ready to just just a little bit, just a little bit. What are, you, what are your thoughts mm. on our current president's position with not wanting to take um I'm being a journalist here, okay. So I'm being, I'm trying to be objective, you know, with with not wanting okay. to take act, without wanting to take action. I just want to know, you know, in this panel that we've got going on here, you know, what what are your thoughts? You know, because we have an election coming up. Um, you saw what happened in right. Ohio, Iowa, and I don't want to go into the details, but we saw what happened in Iowa, um, and so. You know, with that, we, you know, President Biden could get some push pushback on not making some decisions quicker or taking no action as it relates to what's going on in the Middle East. Thoughts? Yeah, well, you know, and if he had taken stronger action quicker, he'd be criticized for that, too. You know, I mean, um, I think he's doing 
the best he can. And we don't know what he's saying behind the scenes. From some of the things I've read, he's tougher on Israel behind the scenes to uh, not be so aggressive in uh, pursuing Hamas and, you know, to be careful about the collateral damage. Um, so, you know, some of that, we don't know. Um, yeah. You know, I did but, hear that, too, uh, I, I about think about collateral damage. I did hear that, too, yeah. about the collateral damage. And so that's real, too, right, when you're showing vivid images of, of human life being, you know, um, dismantled and destructive. Yeah, that's consideration. And to your point, okay, that's fair. Okay, well, I got that out. So I, you know, spoke objectively. Okay. <laughs> so, you, know, <laughs> you did good. Just, you did good. I did, did. Okay, not to, you know, trying to be nonpartisan <laughs> here, as they say. So, you know, 2023 was also a major year here for Diverse NBA Media. You know, we celebrated our 17th annual live National Business Leaders Conference and Celebration. You know, that was the first time since 2020. And we were downtown Chicago Hilton. Um, we had more than 800 people that were there in terms of live and hybrid um, and virtual. Um, you know, we had great, you know, we had coaching. You know, there's this thing called TED Talks. So we have what we call our bid talks. We had our, our women's mm -hmm. leadership sessions, C-suite symposiums. Um, we had thought leaders everywhere from, you know, McDonald's all the way to some of the largest healthcare systems and financial systems in the, in the country. But we had, you know, major players from Chicago. Mondelez was there, you know, Spirion, um, JLL, you know, just lots of the big companies were present as well. So, you know, right. I thought conference goers and those who could not be in person, you know, they did have access to our digital and our, and we featured the publishing summit, which I'd like for you to talk a little bit about. And I just felt so excited. My excitement came from the testimonials, you know, of over hundreds of people that talked about this is one of the best events they attended. So for me, that was a major success um, for you. You know, what 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 was your feeling? You were there and also share a little bit about the publishing summit, um, if you will, and how and what we do with that. Yeah, well, I'll start with that because I think this was the third time we've done that, right? The publishing summit. Yeah, the third time. It, it's, yeah. And, uh, I mean, those books that uh, the authors that were represented there were top authors. And um, this would be able to, it's sort of like having a virtual uh, book club meeting because um, that, that part was, was virtual. And, um, yeah, that was just a great opportunity to hear from and, and discuss uh, some really important topics with, with authors. Um, so that was uh, great. But I, I'll tell you what, getting back to the uh, in-person conference was just wonderful for me. Uh, I mean, one thing, that venue, you know, the Chicago Hilton, I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. is there another hotel <laughs> like that anywhere? I no, mean, no. And, and by the way, they put a, they put a mass of twenty five million into the renovation. So, <laughs> oh wow, wow! Yeah, they're gonna okay. have many more conferences to come. Yeah, yeah. So thank yeah. you. And you know, just thank being you. able to 
I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. No, I was just saying, say, uh, and then in that conference, the uh, ability to just to uh, go to session after session where you had all these plugged in interesting speakers uh, talk about a wide variety of topics. I mean, I felt like I just came away from that conference smarter. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, I learned so much. Yeah, and that's cool. And, you know, and that's what these conferences and these events have to be about. Not only I call net worth, and that is getting to know somebody new, increasing your net worth, both on the intellectual side, right, right. being stimulated, learning more, particularly when you're an expert yourself, being able to learn more um, is cool. Right. So great. The other the other thing that um, Diversity MBA Media celebrated what is, was this live healthcare summit that was hosted in Milwaukee, Wisconsin by Freighted Health Care System and the Manpower Group. And that was another live right. event. And so um, we thought here, here we are able to bring some healthcare professionals and leaders together and to talk about things like AI and how it impacts you know, the healthcare system, in addition to um, workforce solutions in healthcare, which really was where we were able to learn about what some of the challenges are, but what, what some of the mm -hmm. great things the healthcare industry is doing around um, increasing awareness um, for leaders. Because people keep talking about the great resignation, but it was really, I think, pretty significant to see the effort and investment healthcare systems are making um, within their organizations. And so when you think about, right. Dan, the, I mean, the change, the massive change in the healthcare industry, um, what are, what are some of your, you know, biggest takeaways in having to bring together, you know, leaders to continue to talk about you know, health equity and, and health care for all. Well, you, you know, I think AI, artificial intelligence, is the big thing in uh, every industry, including health care. And um, I remember reading on uh, how they're trying to use AI to diagnose uh, illnesses uh, way ahead of uh, the the actual medical diagnosis, and you know, I don't know how it works. And my understanding is that that's still in its infancy. But um, you know, there may be certain physical and lifestyle and uh, other kinds of factors that, if you analyze them with some sort of AI program, can uh, flag certain people at risk for certain illnesses. And so, um, I, I think that's. That's wonderful, but uh, you know, as with always, as with everything, you have to watch out for the downside. I mean, you know, we don't want. To, you, you remember that movie Minority Report, where they use yeah. uh, some sort of uh, uh, oracle to determine who is going to commit crimes. <laughs> you, you don't want AI telling me I'm going to be sick, so we're going to raise your insurance rate. So, you know, there are things you have to watch out for. 
Yeah, that's 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 so true. And you're right. And and you got to figure out how AI can also be very effective and present in the um, in the rural areas. And I think they're trying to figure out right. that. So as we, we wrap, wrap up, I will just say this. The other really big thing is we officially have completed more than 150 episodes of the Inclusive Voice radio show. And that's a landmark for, for us. Yes. Woo. And well, and, cl- and clearly, you know, 20 um, five years of publishing magazines. And I believe, Dan, you've been a part of that for 15 years. So, you know, that's that's huge to where now we publish, um, I think, four publications. And so, I mean, different types of publications is what I meant. You know, the um, the recognition right. publications, print, digital, thought leadership, <laughs> uh, annual reports. So that's just really, really great. So as we look forward into, you know, moving into 24, you know, some of the favorite segments we had was, you know, adding our our bold business and our, our mind your money um, experts to the show. We want to continue to have those. But we're, you know, we're introducing right. the diversity news, which you've been able to kind of help and insight um, provide insights on that as well. So I just want to wrap up and say that, you know, we had a diversity Bay media, the one of our three companies has had um, an extraordinary year and thanks to people like yourself. And I would like to say, you know, hey, Dan, before we wrap up, do you have any, you know, final thoughts you'd like to add? Um, well, since we're talking about diversity and, and diversity media, um, I am really uh, proud of how we have um, shifted from an only print platform to a mixed and I think increasingly digital platform. And um, I'm just looking forward to trying to take uh, better advantage of that digital space and uh, uh, serve our readers and just grow and grow with the times. Awesome. Oh, so you know, you were saying mixed media. You're so right. <laughs> we're in the game. We're in the mixed media game, right? We've got print. That's we've right. got podcasts. We've got digital. We've got radio. You know, we've, right. we've got channels. We, I guess the only thing we're missing is television. Okay, look out, everybody. Here we come. Yeah. So with that, our social media team, they're pushing us up every day. That's right. There you go. So thank you all for joining us this morning in this great conversation. Thank you, Dan Holly, calling in from Raleigh, North Carolina. We'll be back same time next week, diversitymbamagazine.com. Go there for more information. we got a lot of upcoming events, um, and you are definitely welcome to be a part of it. So next we have our bold goal, and you guys listen in and get some insights and we'll talk to you soon. I'm your host, Pam McElvain, The Inclusive Voice. At UPMC, we believe care goes beyond our walls and into our communities. That's why we support organizations and individuals who help people prosper by giving them skills and training for employment, including right here at UPMC. Because life-changing is providing people a chance to grow. Learn more at upmc.com slash community impact. UPMC, life-changing medicine. Welcome to Bold Life with Ed Kopko. 
where bold minds grow. Hi, I'm Ed Kopko and welcome to Bold Living. The topic today is humor. It's importance in leadership, business management, and even relationships. But first, let's start with a joke. Why do priests make great entrepreneurs? Because they have the best access to angel investors. And if you got that joke, God bless you. <laughs> I want to warn you ahead of time that there will be lots of jokes, but also some fun facts. The first fact is a courtesy of Jennifer Acker and Naomi Bagdanis, whose TED Talk discussed the importance of humor in leadership. They say that leaders with a good sense of humor as, are seen as 27% more motivating. The second fact comes from my own humor research, and here it is. Leaders with a good sense of humor are seen as 43% better looking than those with no sense of humor. Aww. Well, maybe not exactly. <laughs> Anyways, the world has long been a very serious place. Too serious in many ways. There's a humor deficit curve, and yet people are starting to understand that when it comes to leadership, business, and personal relationships, humor is an extremely important component of communication. When it comes to leadership and business, some funny goes a long way towards lowering the temperature of the workforce. Smart bosses know when to use humor to help get a message across. Listening improves with a ladle of humor placed upon a message. Speaking of smart CEOs, here's a joke about everyone's favorite billionaire innovator. So Elon Musk walks into a bar with a monkey. The bartender says, you can't bring that in here. It's a health code violation. The monkey says, sorry, and he turns around and leads the CEO out. <laughs> This joke is clearly a poke at Musk, but can you imagine if Musk told this joke himself to a room full of his employees? I guarantee the room would fill with laughter and everyone would be all ears and receptive to whatever message Musk wanted to impart next. Unfortunately, Musk has yet to make such a self-deprecating joke, but experiments are being conducted to see if artificial intelligence can be taught to be funny. Presumably to make help make unfunny people into funny people like me. <laughs> Researchers at Microsoft task an AI with reviewing news headlines and replacing nouns and verbs with words that are objectively funny. And what did they learn? Can a robot use an algorithm to be funny? According to an article, thenextweb.com, titled, Codifying Humanity, Can Humor Be Reduced to an Algorithm? The answer is no. Jokes can be reduced to formulas. Just about anything can be reduced to a formula. But funny isn't a thing. It's a perception. Just like you can't hand me an ounce of satisfaction or purchase a mile's worth of courage, you can't quantitatively produce funniness in a lab. 
Ultimately, while an AI can be taught to do something humorous, funny is subjective and rests entirely with the audience. And people don't tend to find AIs funny yet. Here's a fun fact. When the results of this study came out, I immediately fired all my employees who are artificial intelligences. They now drive cars for Tesla. (laughs) So if AI robots can't learn to be funny, can humans? In his excellent book, The History of Sketch Comedy, A Journey Through the Art and Craft of Humor, comedian and author Keegan-Michael Key gave a detailed breakdown of humor through the ages. And through this breakdown, we can see how humor is utilized in a technical sense by people whose job it is to make others laugh. In other words, there are techniques to humor, and they're used much like puzzle pieces to transform something that would otherwise be boring into something rich in comedy. So yes, since there are techniques and tricks and tools to be used, humans can learn humor. That's why whenever my wife tells me I've done something wrong, I've learned it's better to just nod my head and agree with her and laugh. I know this because I used to try to hide, but there was no escape and she'd always manage to find me. You might have noticed that the last joke illustrated the importance of humor in relationships. Going back to Jennifer Acker and Naomi Bagdonis in their TED Talk, they said, we can do serious things without taking them so seriously, and we can often do them better. Relationships are serious things, and all jokes aside, I can tell you that a healthy dose of humor helps keep all the gears lubricated and turning when it comes to family, friends, and even employer-employee relationships. I take great pride in keeping my family smiling with humor, and at Bold Business, we value fun so much that our website has an entire page devoted to it, and every Friday meeting ends with jokes. I hope I've made you laugh in the last few minutes, but even if one or more of my jokes fell flat, the underlying message was underscored by the attempts. Humor is important and can be an essential component of effective communication. Keep them laughing, keep them chuckling, Keep them smiling, and ultimately, you'll keep them. (laughs) Wait, that wasn't a joke. Thank you for listening, and keep living bold. For more about Ed and his work, go to www.edcopco.com. The world is embracing a remote, globalized, and diverse workforce. Is your organization prepared when it comes to understanding all the nuances of diversity? Diversity MBA can help. From an industry-leading journal and web publication highlighting professionals and best practices, to boot camps and conferences featuring noted and accomplished speakers, Diversity MBA is a driving force in diversity, equity, and inclusion education. Check out DiversityMBAMagazine.com and take the first step towards transforming your organization.